Hello and welcome back to the Talking Wolves podcast. It's the first of the new season. We've missed you all. We've, we've definitely missed doing the podcast. And as you can see, we're joined by two Talking Wolves regulars. We'll start with the main man himself, Dave Hazapardi. Dave, how you been keeping, mate? How's your summer been? Yeah, it's all right, mate. It's, uh, it's gone quick, hasn't it? But yeah, look, didn't, didn't manage to do too many of the pre-season games. Managed to catch them all, but uh, only went to the, I think, the Luton game. Probably the most boring game out of the lot, to be fair. But um, nah, enjoyed it, mate. Enjoyed a bit of time off, but ready to to crack on again. How did you uh, manage to see all the games? I take it you paid the four ninety nine every single. Oh time yeah, definitely. Some... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolves took, <laughs> took plenty of my money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> George, good to see you again, my friend. How's how's life How been? Where you've been? Jet- where you've been jetting off to recently? You know what? For myself, been quite quiet, you know. So um, no, I haven't been anywhere too extravagant recently. Actually, no, Vegas. No, Vegas was when uh, we sold Neves, wasn't it? So yeah, Vegas. Yeah. But then other than that, quite I haven't been so far. I mean, there's been a lot of trouble in uh, Tel Aviv, so I've not been over to that office for a while. <laughs> um, but no, from a Wolves point of view, um, it's all fun and games, isn't it? Obviously, there's a lot of moving parts, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be quite an interesting pod. Let's uh, put it like that. Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season or the end of last season, Lapategui said he wanted all his players in by July the 1st. And, you know, August the 7th has recorded this and it and it looks like he's getting exactly what he wanted. <laughs> not quite. But as you can see, we're not uh, we're not alone. We're also joined by Sky Sports' Johnny Phillips. Johnny, pleasure to see you again, my friend. How have you been keeping? Working hard? <laughs> yeah, well, I've had a quiet time over the summer, but it's just about to kick off again. Season's underway and uh, I'm sure I'll be very busy over the coming weeks. Yeah, you were uh, up in Leeds, weren't you, at the weekend for the game? Yeah, it was a good one to do that. I mean, even though they've got relegated, they were, there was a real buzz around the place. It's great, great ground, Allen Road. And they they, uh, they came back brilliantly. So I think they'll be safe under Daniel Barker. Safe pair of hands will get them back up quite quickly, I think. But it was good. It was good atmosphere. Yeah, but you have you have been quite busy, haven't you, with a, a, a little project? You're bringing out a book, I believe. Yeah, it's been a long time in the making. Me, uh, sorry, I've done it with Paul Berry, who's a, a brilliant, brilliant writer and a man, it, you know, who's incredibly well connected at the club, both from the perspective of working inside for the club and also from being a, a supporter, a lifelong supporter since the, the 1980s. And it's called Revolution of Wolves. And it's really the story of the club uh, in the Premier League era since their first promotion 20 years ago uh, to the present day. And it's it, it essentially, um, we've called it a, a Premier League trilogy because it's three very distinct parts. Uh, it's the first promotion with Sir Jack Hayward as owner and Dave Jones as uh, manager. The second promotion with Steve Morgan as owner and Mick McCarthy as manager. And then, of course, the Fosun era with Nuno and how the club has progressed, developed. Uh, you know, we've called it the revolution of Wolves because it has been a revolution. Uh, but it's been brilliant to write and we're really proud of what we've got at the end of it and I hope Wolves fans will enjoy it too. Is there any interesting excerpts out of the book, anyone you've spoken to in the book that fans will will be excited about? I think um, uh, there's, a, there's a nice bit with Paul Ince. Uh, I, I got down to Reading's training ground when he was manager there last season with Alex Ray. Him and Alex Ray are best mates now, but they hated each other when they first, <laughs> um, when they first joined the club. Uh, or when uh, I think Ince followed Ray. And when uh, Ray tells a story about when he heard it on the radio that Paul Ince was signing, he was devastated. Uh, and, and Paul Ince similarly tells a story about how he went through the list of those in the Wolves squad thinking, yeah, he's all right, he's all right. 
got as far as Ray and thought, I hate this man. And he used a lot stronger words than I hate this man. Uh, <laughs> and there, there they are, best mates 20 years later, which probably says all you need to know about that team. And, uh, and then more recently, um, it was brilliant just getting underneath the, the, the skin of Nuno's revolution. We spoke to players like Ryan Bennett, Connor Cody, Diogo Jota, Ruben Neves, and, and two or three of, Ru, uh, of, of uh, Nuno's coaching staff as well. And they really, the first time I, I understood the four at the five at the back, rather, I got exactly what he's doing. You, you knew what you were watching, but I could never understand why it was so successful in the Premier League. I could never understand why Manchester City uh, and these other teams couldn't come to terms with it. But they really unpicked that for us and they really explained what Nuno is doing in brilliant, brilliant terms. So that's that's probably our favourite part of the book when it gets to the Fosun era and the real revolution we've seen and just how they how they went about turning Wolves from these sort of championship also runs into this proper serious Premier League team. Yeah, I remember when we were at the Mall and You Sleep Out, you were telling me about the the the, the, uh, the, the book and the, the segment around around that and Nuno's Wolves and just how good it was. And I, I, I was intrigued. But you've, uh, you've you've got an event, haven't you, at the Cleveland next Thursday, I believe, that to launch the yeah, book? Yeah, this, this coming Thursday, the 10th of August. It's free in. Um, there'll be a and a with uh, me and Paul Berry. There's a quiz, uh, so uh, which will be quite good fun, uh, a quiz on the last 20 years of Wolves. Uh, there'll also be a season preview, which... Sounds like a good time to be doing a season preview. I don't think we've ever gone into uh, a season like this one before. Uh, and it'll be just a good chance to catch up with lots of people connected with Wolves, have a drink, enjoy the night and talk about Wolves because it's been a long summer. So much has happened. So much could yet still happen. So it'd be great to see anyone around who can come down to the Cleveland from seven o'clock onwards. And it's free admission, so just turn up on the night. Oh, brilliant. And there's a, there's a donation as well, isn't it, to a, a really yeah. important charity close to Jason Guy's heart too. That's right. There's, um, you get a couple of quid discount on the book. And then also, um, we're, we're also giving some, of, within that discount, we're giving a further amount to um, the IP36 family, which is really close to Jason Guy, that the, the Wolf Whistle pod host, who's kindly hosting the night for us. So there's two reasons to get down. You get the discounts, it's free in, uh, but there's also be that contribution that we're making from what you pay as well. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we'll raise a good bit for charity on the night too. Third reason as well, Johnny might buy you a beer. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. He might do. It depends how generous he's feeling. I'm from Liverpool, Matt. We're all generous in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fellas, what a, what a summer we've had. We, we wanted an exciting summer. We we thought we might get one in terms of incomings, but it's 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 been quite a difference. So the the, the kind of media fed nonsense of 10 or 15 million pound signings that we needed to sell to buy Dave has now gone from that to recouping nearly 100 million pound in transfer revenue and only two players coming in in the form of Matt Doherty and Tom King. Are you you shocked at all with this Dave? Yeah I'm I'm shocked I'm surprised I think you've said it before Matt I'm, I'm quite a firm believer of sort of judge the transfer window when it's closed but it sounds like you know there's whispers from the club that there might not be another tra- you know transfer, and I think that would mean it's a disastrous window uh, for Wolves. We could have really kicked on. Lopetegui had that little bit of momentum. I know we slowed down towards the end of the season, but he had momentum. He had the uh, ability and potential to build a really strong squad. Um, again, I've said I think our first eleven is good. It's strong. It's it's a good Premier League eleven. But outside of that, a couple of suspensions or injuries, which we you know we saw quite a few suspensions last year. Um, and we can be in a little bit of trouble. So 
I am disappointed about the transfer business. I think it uh, could have and should have been obviously a, a lot better and stronger. Jordan, I know you've been chomping at the bit to talk about this. Uh, our group chat over the last probably... He keeps asking me of, to do Twitter spaces, Jordan, but he always yeah, asks me when I'm not out all over. I don't think I've seen George use the word shamble so, so much in a two-month period. How are you feeling about this summer, Jordan? Um, no, I think, I think obviously, though, the, after the start, you know, after the end of the season, and we already had those sort of stories coming out from the media, you know, it's going to be a more difficult window than we've experienced. Understandably, you know, Cunha and uh, Bubakar Troyore money was going to be recognised in this transfer window, and we've already outlaid, what, 65 million quid, so we had to be a bit careful. Um, yeah, for me, I, I don't necessarily buy it in terms of, you know, from, from a frozen point of view. I, I understand FFP's there, it's there for a reason and stuff, but for me, even the Jeff Shee, and I'll probably get into it a little bit more detail, the Jeff Shee sort of statement the other day I, I think it's more so foes and wanting, wanting to recuperate some of the losses and and some of you know the money you know the wrote off a debt last year for about 126 million pound I feel like there's also been a lot of bad investment over the windows which we're now being you know paying the price for you know you can look at the Guedes money um Catrone money Fabio Silva probably overpaid for still um and that's sort of coming to bite us on the backside now so uh, Shambles, you know, without getting the full context, you're never going to know the full truth. Johnny might know more than what we do, obviously, but it's... Um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah, I'd like to think so as well. But I just think for me, you know, my, my biggest thing, when, why I think shambles, oh, I've used the word shambles, is I think in the Premier League, if you stand still, you get swallowed up pretty quickly. And I think Leicester City are only a prime example of that last season. They still had a good playing squad on paper. Um, they didn't invest and they got, you know, they got relegated. And that's my big fear is, you know, if you stand still, we could get caught up. I, I generally think, you know, looking at some of the sort of throwing sides that come up, I think Sheffield United and Luton, you know, we should be coming above them quite comfortably. I think we might get away with only having to be better than one other team this this uh, this season. But, you know, we could quite easily be that 18th team, the way it's going. Um, but yeah, you know, time will tell. Like I say, I do still think you judge it at the end of the window, but, I don't think we're getting anyone coming through the door at this rate. Johnny, the, the plan A was that 10 or 15 million pound signing mark. Doesn't seem like plan A could be facilitated. God knows what plan B was because it doesn't seem to be facilitated anymore. What, what, what's gone on? It's, it's a tough one. And in some respects, and I entirely understand the fans' frustration, but on another level, Fosun just can't keep pumping vast fortunes into the club every transfer window. So this day was always going to come. Um, they didn't expect to spend the level of money they spent uh, at the end of August last year. That was, Jeff Shee looked me in the eye when we did Ask Wolves and said this was going to be a, a self-sustaining window where we sell to buy, we get our own revenue for transfers. And Scott Sellers did the same. And then at the end of the window, 100 odd million is spent uh, when, when, once Jester Butte and Fosun get their heads together at a different meeting and the strategy changes. Now, they won't have envisaged having to go again last January, uh, where they spent uh, significantly and they had a different manager who cost an absolute fortune to bring in with his coaching staff. The Wolves have never paid money like this before for, for a manager. We're talking three, in, around three times what you would expect to pay for a coaching staff uh, and it was huge money so they've got that outlay as well they just can't keep spending um, so there was always going to be that issue of profit and sustainability that they had to keep an eye on that said 
that once they made the sales they did um they were okay uh, you know you, you know it, it wasn't an issue and jeff in his letter you know has said that in, in so much as, as he's talked about this being a benign challenge compared to all the other challenges you know he's right it's not it's not the big issue but they did have terrain spending in now what they have got they've gone further than that and what they've done they, the, the strategy is clearly to recoup money so that they're not um writing off loans and and, and Fosun want to see a return on their investment uh, and that, you know that this comes from china it's not something that's done at home here and that they're fully entitled to go about it that way um so a bit of me thinks wolves fans have just got to suck it up and get on with it you know Fosun isn't a cash cow they're going to want to return on their investments they're an investment conglomerate but by the same token i can understand the angst as we head into this season um although it might not happen but if you have got a fit squad and you look at the players in that squad there's no reason why they can't you know you can't have a solid season yeah i i agree i think they and i think that's probably the most frustrating things from a fans perspective is we're probably only three signings away from having a really good squad they've cleared out a lot of players apart from Neves who weren't starters probably had come to the end of the cycle at Wolves but you know with some of the pre-season performances especially against Stad Rene like we're, we're 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 almost there but do you do you not think like you said it, it, it isn't the case of FFP which is seems to be the narrative from um local and, and national journalists who it, I know it's all all the stories broke at the same time, so it obviously come from the club, right? Is it just yeah, a case I, of like, yeah, like you said, you do what they want to get some of that investment back? I think, yeah, it's clearly more than profit and sustainability. That's an issue. I don't think anyone's denying yeah. that's been an issue when you spend that sort of money. It's not the major issue, I think. Um, and, and you say that seems to be the narrative. I think there's plenty of people out there who, uh, I mean, my, my colleague Rob Dorset, a really good investigative. Uh, football journalist he said he tweeted at the start of july that with uh, certain sales wolves were no longer treading um, a, a fine line on that yeah. you know he he put that out over a month ago there's a really interesting article in the athletic uh, a couple of weeks ago that they, i think they got matt slater involved now he's one of the top football finance mm. journalists he, he's, he's so good and he knows he you know he can crunch numbers he knows um football finance like the back of his hand and he was quite clear that there was something more at play here. While while profit and sustainability is is bubbling away, and it's something, it's clearly a far far bigger picture than um, than that. And especially when you you, you know you're dealing with a, a club owned by an investment conglomerate and a club owned by a conglomerate that takes its direction from what's happening in Beijing um, and the sort of the government uh, of China. So yeah, um, it's it, it's just been it's just been a strange time. With with the ownership structure as it is, it's 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 just different to what Wolves fans are used to. If Steve Morgan says there's no money, it's because he's not putting money in. If Sir Jack Hayward, you know, he, he put tons of money in, and then he stopped putting money in just when they needed to. It, it it's just different with with Fosun. It's just very very different. I don't think, I don't think the club's hierarchy. Well, I, I know I know for a fact the club's hierarchy have been blindsided by changes from the very top at Fosun in in strategy. And, you know, we saw it last summer. Um, the, the message coming out of the club was this is going to be a, a period of sustainability. And then they go and blow fortunes at the end of the window. It's just, it's 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 very hard. So I know you say that, you know, there has been a narrative amongst the press about FFP. I, I'm not sure there has. I think I think there's a lot of very, very well-respected journalists out there who've, um, who are presenting something alternative. 
Yeah, because I know I'd, I'd spoken to, to Liam Keane about it when he, he broke the news around. It's because of maybe to recall cast because of profit and sustainability. And I saw it. As I said to him, like, I'm not saying that you're wrong and what you're reporting is false, but I just, I just don't believe it. And perhaps that's because it's not what we want to hear as fans, maybe Dave, but I, I just, I just, I just don't buy it that that's the, the sole reason. As Johnny, Johnny said there that, you know, it, it's led from the top in, in, in China. Dave, do you think that could be the reason why we're, we, we've supposed been bidding for players and all of a sudden these bids that we're putting in, we can't even finance them. Yeah, I think that was another thing that confused a lot of fans. Obviously, there was the the rejected bid for Kilman, the two reported bids for Alex Scott, which apparently were all you know they all happened. You know, there were there were proper bids. So I really don't understand what what's gone on. And I know George, you sort of mentioned the Jeff Shee statement, which we'll probably talk about more. But I think the statement like that was probably a month too late. Um, you know, the damage was already done in, for, for Wolves fans. They needed to hear what Jeff was saying a month earlier because in the end, somehow in dribs and drabs, we sort of already knew what what Jeff, you know, was on about anyway. So I think I think it's a difficult situation because you can't expect on the 1st of July the club to come out and say, look, it's going to be a slow window because of financial fair play because I think other clubs uh, who are looking to buy our players can exploit that. Um, but... I, I, I don't know. I mean, as you guys know, I'm not overly clued up on the sort of finances side of football, but it just doesn't sound like something is right. But again, like Johnny said, we can't expect as a football club uh, to, to keep pumping in, you know, hundreds of millions every single transfer window. Yeah. If I could, you... if I, honestly, if I could say one thing on that, um, Dave, it, it, um, I, I'm similar to you. I'm not clued up on finances, but I do. So I, I always go and speak to people about mm-hmm. this, people who know much better than me. And there has been a bit of talk around, oh, forecast to change. And this money was, um, we thought we had this money, then we didn't have this money. And then yeah. um, this, I spoke to um, a risk manager at High Up who works at, at Canary Wharf for one of the main um, investment banks, just, yeah. just to talk about this. And bearing in mind, Wolves uh, fit into this bracket and a lot of Premier League clubs do. I said, when, a, when, um, when Wolves or any Premier League club go seeking investment, and that bank or that finance institution gives them investment on future predictions, on forecasts. And this is really important. What, what is that club expected to reveal? And his exact quote, quote was the whole nine yards. He says, you do not get a loan. Uh, and Wolves have had one of those recently. But you do not get loans. You do not get finance if you present forecasts that change. Uh, so yeah. as each financial year clicks through, a club would not be taken seriously if it presented a forecast to a lender and then went back two weeks later and says, actually, we're forecasting this. And, yeah, and yeah. certainly, you know, and then uh, Wolves will know their forecasts uh, and stuff. And that's what is, is perhaps, you know, fans have found hard to get their head around. Why, why is this changing? It's not changing. I don't think forecasts are changing. I think, um, I think, I think talk is when, when you go and try and lend money, you have to be. You have to just open your books and say, "This is us. This is what we've got." And people wouldn't be lending Wolves money if they weren't a safe bet. Yeah, because they uh, they've recently borrowed. Well, I'll say recently over the last three or four years, Macquarie Banking. I think they're Australian, aren't they? Yeah. They borrow yeah. against future TV revenue, but again, like that's a that's a risk in itself, isn't it? Because we we might not be in the Premier League next season. So what happens? What happens with that? 
Well, it, it will have been the promises that it would be um, underwritten elsewhere. You see, yeah. they would not get the finance. They would not get the finance if it wasn't um, if they weren't seen as solid. They just wouldn't get it. Uh, and if they went, and this is why, again, this is why it's. It, it, I don't think it's it's all about profit and sustainability, because in previous years, rules have gone and sought finance, and in previous years, rules have operated within FFP regulations by putting their own money in to mitigate the losses. Now, yeah. That doesn't appear to be happening this side, this time round, which indicates a change in strategy. And I would also say that folks are well within their rights, having put all that money in to change their strategy. Absolutely. Why should they keep writing off loans? Why should they keep uh, writing things off? They have put so much money into this club, but but it is an, it is an issue of strategy. Yeah, and I don't want this to feel like I'm... Um singling out local journalists either like they we've as fans we've needed answers and they've done their most to try and get those answers from the club yeah, absolutely. And, fair, you know, and fair play to them because you know that I, I know i know like liam Keane and whatnot they've, they've been trying and trying and trying and trying for us to get answers and they finally got this answer from the club and again whether it's right or wrong they have got an answer but again people don't quite believe it's so now the club have had to speak and it just seems jordan it just seems a bit of a mess yeah, and I think Dave sort of hit the nail on the head a little bit. If Jeff would have come out, and again, there's reasons why he hasn't. If he'd have come out at the end of, you know, start of pre-season or before all these whispers and murmurs come out, it might have been a bit of a, it might have been accepted a little bit easier. But you've obviously got almost like stuff coming out at different times through the press. We're buying Alex Scott, then we couldn't afford him. Like, it's just so many conflicting messages. Wall fans getting wound up. And then, again, this will come in a bit later on, but Lopetegui then having his, his, like, I'm guessing unsanctioned chats that have been released. It's just all like, just all smoke and fire and mirror and whatever you want to say. And, like, for me, the foes and stuff, like, it's like Johnny said as well, like, as, as a business, you would not get finance from the government or Macquarie Bank or anything like that if you were... Yeah, you didn't have a pot to piss in. Let's put it like that. Like they've obviously got, they've obviously got finance. They've obviously got money there. So, Fosen, if they really wanted to, could put money in. If they yeah, actually really again. want to, yeah. they could go again and again. I, I think, obviously, there's obviously stuff with the Chinese government makes it harder for them to invest overseas. Not saying that's the big, the be all end all, but that's obviously changed since they brought the club. And also, you know. Like Newcastle, the new money coming into the league, your Newcastle and stuff. I think when they came in, when Fosen said we want to be Champions League in ten years, and yeah, it was a nice, you know, it's it's just words, but you know, I think they probably genuinely believed it at the time. But you can't just spend tens of millions of pounds to to break the Premier League. You want to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds year on year, and it could be the fact that Fosen have just turned around and gone, you know what, it's not sustainable for us, and you know what, there's no return on our investment if we do that. We can't compete with these teams and. I think, you know, as an investment company, Fosen will look at Wolves now as being in the Premier League. If they can get a return on investment, it, you know, they've got all the branding, all that sort of stuff in the Far East, their esports, all that sort of stuff. Wolves is a brand for Fosen. If as long as it pays for itself, it, it's worth keeping. Like, I don't think, you know, there's fans saying they should sell up and do this. I don't think Fosen will sell. They might get other investment, but Fosen will not sell because it's so hard to get a brand with a, such a global audience, they won't want to give it up that easy when they've invested so much. And there's there's not a long line of investors who are willing to go and spend 400, 500 million pounds on a football club. Like there's just, there's just not many no. people in the world, but Johnny, I know we've spoken previously about investment and whatnot. And, and Jeff Shears adamantly said the club is not for sale. We're, we're fully committed, but 
it seems to be, and, and I know you've said this previously, though they are they 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 would welcome other investment into the club. Yeah, absolutely. They've said that themselves. I think I think the issue is not so much um, that they don't want to give up. They put a lot of work into the club, obviously, and they don't want to sell it and see all that work go. I think uh, the bigger issue is where's the buyer? Who would be the buyer? There aren't a lot of buyers for a club like Wolves. You could see the appeal of Newcastle straight away, a stadium fit for purpose, uh, a huge fan base. Wolves needs needs a bit of work um, to sort the stadium out and other things. So it's, it's, is that big investment available? Obviously, people look at the Gulf states, people look at America, where else is it going to come? But yeah, Wolves have been very clear that they're seeking investment. Uh, and, and that, you know, that continues to be the case at 100%. Whether or not it's a wholesale, I don't think so. I mean, it was reassuring to hear Jeff Shee or read Jeff Shee in his letter saying, no, we're not up for sale. I mean, there have been other clubs owned by the Chinese that aren't up for sale that get sold. Um, uh, but it was reassuring from Jeff. And I feel, you know, he's damned if he does, damned if he if he doesn't with that yeah. with that letter. He, he, you know, there's a clamour for him to speak and there's probably only so much he can say. There, there are things that clubs just can't explain to supporters and the press. There's things that they have to keep to themselves. They have to protect their, you know, they have to protect what they are. Uh, and it's really, really hard for an owner, any owner to speak totally candidly and totally openly. So I think he probably put out there all he could. Uh, but I, I think it was as much about what wasn't in that letter as what was. Mm. Oh, there's a lot of commercially sensitive information, like you said, Johnny, that just couldn't be said. But b- before we move on to, to Lapatagi, do, do you think the club will spend before the end of the window? I think I think they could. I think there might be another one or two outgoings. And I think, I mean... The, there was obviously, I think the Elvedi deal isn't far away in terms of uh, where they're at with the player. I think the structure of the payments to the club probably aren't what the club wants. That's what was holding the the Alex Scott deal back. I think Wolves offered the money, but they offered it over the course of his contract and not the big lump sum up front that Bristol City wanted. It's probably something similar uh, with Borussia Mönchengladbach. So I don't know. It just depends. It, you know, the closer and closer we get to the cutoff point, it's whether or not Wolves decide they do need to spend. And I think they probably do need a couple of additions. I, I just don't know. It's, it's just hard to say. It's just such a, there's just such fascinating times. I mean, they're worrying times on one level, but from a neutral perspective, it is quite fascinating what has been playing out over this summer period. And a lot of it has been uh, Julian Lopetegui uh, and his behaviour. Yeah, Dave. Uh, most people, if you, I mean, if you look at Twitter and whatnot, have us to go down. I don't know about you, Dave, but I, I quite like this underdog, underdog siege mentality that we've, we're now getting. Yeah, I mean, people have written us off. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of people listening to the press, and whether it's you know the news or uh, on the newspapers, and and there is just this a lot of people every premier league prediction i've seen online whether it be fans or whether it be like a big pub- publication seems to have wolves down down in the bottom three so i don't know i mean we could crack on with our own business we stay under the radar teams are going to write us off so um like we said i think the first 11 is okay uh, it's just all the crap going on behind the scenes we just got to make sure that doesn't spill on onto the field 
Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, the, Lopetegui's future was up in the air and then I think it might have been John Percy Jordan who broke the news to say, like, he's, you know, sat down with the club and he's and he's going to stay. But then news broke of the uh, the, the Guillaume Balagai interview that was looked like it was, it was a, well, definitely was unsanctioned because there's no way the club would have let that happen. And since then, Jordan, it's been, it's been a bit of a shit show. Yeah, and I mean... To be fair, I mean, in that interview, they both said a lot of words without actually saying anything substantial within it, didn't they? They're almost saying, well, I might leave, but I might not. And it was just, there was just no need for it. And for me, it, it like, he wants out, doesn't he? Like, he absolutely wants out. I think he's trying to do anything he can just to, you know, get himself out of the club. I think that, I think that's the truth of it. I, I think he's been sold, in his, in, well, in his, in his opinion, he's been sold uh, a dream. He's been sold a story that isn't true. And I think he's been putting out these interviews and he's been sort of kicking up a stink and a fuss to go, you know what, if Wolves lose their first five, six games of the Premier League season, he wants to basically keep his own personal stock to go, you know what, I said we needed players. The club didn't back me. I'm still a good coach. I'm still a good manager. I, you know, He'll go elsewhere and get another job. So, look, it's just not very, you know, it's, it's really uncomfortable and unsettling. Like, what are we, a week out, we'll, you know, Almost played like 40, 40 odd minutes against Man United at time recording. Like to have all this stuff still going on, it's so unnerving, unsettling, and you know, as fans, we don't want it. The club won't want it. But even as like a playing squad as well, you know, there's going to be some players looking at social media or getting like whispers and murmurs and thinking, you know what, it, the gaffer couldn't be here by the time of next week. And it almost makes pre-season a bit redundant for those players that have played well and you know, starting afresh and stuff. I think. It, it's, there's no two ways to say it. It's an absolute mess at the moment, and I hope it does get sorted out as soon as possible. But I can't see it getting sorted out anytime soon. Johnny, do you know what the relationship is like between Lapetegui and and I know he, he he seems to speak quite fondly about Matt Hobbs, but with who are other hierarchical members at the club? I think there's a sense now that everyone's getting a little bit pissed off and thinking, you know, you came here on an extraordinary contract with staff on extraordinary deals to where what those staff had previously earned uh, you came here as this elite coach why don't you just get on with coaching uh, you've not been you may have been uh, made promises in terms of finance that weren't what you thought they were uh, back in January but you're not sitting here with the squad that Rob Edwards is sitting here at Luton Town it's still a very very capable squad and if it means knuckling it down for it for a year and then things changing uh, you know, it's just, I think, I think there's a set, you know, he's, he, he went rogue, didn't he? He went rogue over in Spain and did this interview, uh, or Portugal, wherever it was, and did this interview that he shouldn't have done. Uh, and it didn't help anyone. And it was, he didn't even say anything. Or the only thing you could gauge from that interview was that he was fed up of being there. But you thought, well, at least come out with some. You know, come out with something concrete that supporters can get their teeth into other than that you're looking to strengthen the squad. And, and that seemed to be the gist of it. And then I feel, I do feel for the club with this one. Um, what are they supposed to do now? I mean, this interview, let, let, let's be clear, this podcast, it's quarter to nine on Monday and this could be out of date by the time anyone listens to it. That's that's where we're at, in my opinion. That's where we're <laughs> at. Um, because it, it's... It's an incredibly developing situation. It really, really is. Um, I think he's. I think if he looks back at the way 
he he's behaved. Um, I don't know. It might be a cultural thing. It might be something that is more common on the continent. But I, I, I'm not sure that um, he, he's sort of carried himself as well as he could have done. Obviously, he's got his own concerns. The club are doing what the club are doing. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's close to being a relationship beyond repair. Um, as I say, it's quarter to nine on Monday night. That might that might have changed for the worse or the better by nine o'clock on Tuesday morning. Do you, do you feel like the club have moved the goalposts from what you know, though, in terms of what he was promised and what now being delivered? That's a good question. That I mean, it was Matt Hobbs who said the project is back on to a lot of fanfare uh, at the start of the year. Um, so this doesn't look like a project back on now. But by the same token, the, I mean the. Uh, you know, Lopetegui's a serious individual. He came here, he brought Fran Garagaza in as a sort of technical advisor, almost as a buffer to the board because of he was probably unsure about the way the club operated financially. He'll have done a reasonable amount of due diligence on the club before signing a contract. He'll have checked the place out. In fact, in, in fact, his, um, his staff were here long before he was here, checking the place out, going through things. And the signs were all really good then. Um, so... Where have the goalposts been? The goalposts probably have changed, but I don't think they've changed enough for an elite head coach in his first, about to embark on his first full season in the Premier League to have taken such umbrage with the, the way things are panning out. Um, you know, unless, unless there's more to it behind the scenes that we're not party to. Um, I do have a lot of sympathy with the club. Uh, I, I understand that people, a lot of people don't, uh, that they, they think. They think Wolves are, they're frustrated. Wolves have finally got this manager they've been courting for many years. He's in a top, top manager, and yet they're not, they're seemingly not backing him. Well, you know, I think, I think they backed, they backed him in January, and I don't think the squad's horrific. I think, I think there are areas that clearly need improving. I don't think it's horrific, but you know. Do you think, do you think it's a case of him not wanting to walk because of the payoff? Um, oh, hu- and, oh, hugely! Yeah. It's absolutely down to money. It, it's it's like it's like a, it's like one of these spaghetti western standoff. Who blinks first? Um, Wolves can't afford to sack him because they've given him such a ridiculous contract. He can't afford to walk out on that contract because he's got a load of staff who've never been paid this money in their life before, depending on him, and he is on a huge contract himself. It's absolutely it's one of those situations. If he goes, and he you know he, he might have gone by the end of this podcast. If he goes, then some. A middle ground will have been sought and reached because the numbers involved are just too big for either Wolves to sack him or or, or, or Lopetegui to walk. In my opinion, again, without being party to everything. <sighs> Looks like the club are contingency planning, though, which is the right thing to do. I, I, they probably should be talking to other managers because I think we would criticise them if Lopetegui walks and they didn't have a backup plan like it when Large left. But um, Gary O'Neill seems to be the the name today. Um, broke a, a couple of hours ago. Now Alex Crook and then the mirror caught wind of it. Johnny, is there anything that you know about that or any other names? Or um, it's it's funny, you know, because obviously when you hear Gary O'Neill, there's an initial what Bournemouth's caretaker manager reaction, and and, and there are people who think that's that, that's not good. He actually is he's a very impressive person. Uh, he's he, he's well researched. He has strong ideas in how clubs should play and I think he presents himself really really well uh I imagine he's impressed Wolves as, as hierarchy it, it, uh, 
he comes he comes basically with a CV that says I can get people out of a shit show. He took over after Bournemouth got beaten nine nil at Wol- uh, Liverpool uh, last season, and he took over from a manager who, a bit like this one, was saying that it's going to be a long, hard season. I've not been backed. I've not got this. I've not got that. And Gary O'Neill quickly, quickly got the squad on board, uh, and he quickly sorted things out, and he quickly stopped the big, heavy defeats. And the way he finished the season was really, really strong. Um, I think he's an impressive, a quietly impressive individual. Um, and, you know, I think people should, if he if he turns out being someone who ends up here, I think people should give him a chance. Um, to go back to your initial question about should Wolves be signing people out, most clubs sound managers out. There, are, there is, actually, it's in the book, actually. There's one occasion when Wolves didn't sound anyone out when they sacked Mick McCarthy and found themselves in a right mess. They're then trying to get, um, it was Alan Kerbishley at the time, and Kerbishley just got cold feet, and they ended up chucking it Terry Connor's way. I think at, at every other situation, um, managers are sounded out. Lopetegui was sounded out um, when Fosun first took charge. Nuno was in the background for a lot, for at least two or three months before Paul Lambert uh, was sacked. Uh, these things happen, uh, and you know, beyond beyond the walls of Wolves and Molyneux. These have, this thing happens everywhere. I think it, it's madness not to sound some, someone out. And particularly if you, you know, it, it may be a bit harsh if you've got a manager innocently going about his job, doing a decent job, and suddenly finds, you know, the rug pulled from under him and finds out that all these Machiavellian figures have been stabbing him in the back. I don't think that's the case at the moment. I think Lopetegui has, has gone, um, you know, has gone and spoken to external media and sort of put it out there. He's almost forced the club's hand. Yeah, and I remember Paul Barber speaking on Talksport. Who I think he's a CEO at Brighton, and he said around, "We know what managers we need to approach if mm-hmm. Graham Potter goes, if Deserby goes, and same with players." So the right is the right thing to do, and you'd be a little bit concerned if they weren't. But Dave, what what's your initial kind of reaction to the the Gary O'Neill kind of links? Me personally, I don't think it would be a fantastic appointment I think Brighton Bournemouth probably rode the luck a little bit towards the end of last season um but what what were your thoughts well I think regardless of who Wolves go for it'll be an extremely tricky job because you're throwing in a manager uh, right at the start of a season after players have just had four or five weeks learning one technique or style of play and then you've got another manager you'd assume Wolves will try and get someone who's play style and you know training is as close to Lopetegui as they can if, if that's the case but I don't know I just think it's it's an underwhelming one I think Lopetegui is sort of top end of the quality of managers that Wolves could appoint uh, so if he does walk I think anybody is probably going to feel like a downgrade especially as we were so excited about Lopetegui coming into the club so um, yeah I it doesn't Gary O'Neill's not somebody that you know fills me with huge ex- excitement but you know, I think there are worse managers out there, but like you said, I think you'd rather Wolves have the, this plan in place. Um, I know Johnny mentioned there about the managers. There's a, there's a good extract from the Neil Warnock book as well. I don't know if that's mentioned in your book about when uh, McCarthy had been sacked as well. And I think Moxie and Morgan just, uh, yeah, they made a bit of a mess of that uh, appointment in the end. So, yeah, but O'Neill, I think it's, it's an underwhelming one, Matt. Yeah, listen, Dave, I'm not going to miss any opportunity to plug this book. We interviewed Neil Warner <laughs> for the book. We inter- we interviewed- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I grabbed him. I, I was doing an interview with him at Huddersfield at the end of last season. And I said, oh, by the way, 
Um, can you confirm a few things for us? Uh, I said, can you confirm you went into the dressing room at the end of the playoff final to say well done to the Wolves players? And he did. Uh, yeah. and he, he was talking about. And the other thing he did, he went up to Carden Park where uh, Steve Morgan uh, lives and he, he interviewed with Morgan and Moxie. And at the end of his interview, they said to him, right, we'll be in touch. And he came away and he said, oh, we'll be in touch, we'll be in touch. And Ken Bates, who was then Leeds yep. chairman, rang him and said, I don't want to interview, I just want to give you the job. And Warnock said he actually would rather have gone to a Wolves, but it was Bates saying, I'm giving you the job, as opposed to Morgan saying, we'll be in touch. He said, no, nah, they should have given me the job there. And then he also went on to say that with hindsight, going to Leeds was the worst thing he ever did. In his book, he says something like, obviously he got off, I think that was the Saturday or something like that, he, he spoke to Wolves. And then on the Monday, he still hadn't heard anything. And uh, I think he called Moxie and said, well, what's the decision? And they said, well, we're still looking at targets. And he's like, well, obviously, I'm not the right, right man for the job. And then that's when he took yeah. his job as well. So, uh, Absolutely. What could have been? Uh, what could have been? <laughs> I you know what? I, I might be in the minority of one here. I love I love Warnock. Mate, I, love I love Neil Warnock as well. I'd have so loved him to have done a year at Wolves just to see what would have happened. Yeah. It might be able to happen now, mate. Going back to what Dave was saying before about being underwhelmed by Gary O'Neill and whoever it is, if it is a new manager coming in, I think Wolves really, really have to guard against that period of limbo that they had last season in between Large and Lopetegui. Oh, yeah, it, it was just drifting. It was, it was like some sort of canoe with no paddles out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It was just drifting. I think what uh, Matt Hobbs and his team want to do is to make sure this club doesn't drift until uh, going to the start of the season. I think, you know, if when Lopetegui goes, uh, there will be a replacement in place very, very quickly. And if there isn't, they'd be, they, they really have got things wrong. They, they'd need to move very quickly. Yeah, I know before we come on the podcast and you said about Gary O'Neill, because I said I wasn't too happy about it and you said, you know, quite positive about it. I asked you the question, what other Premier League club would have him? Have you had to think about that? Yet? Yeah, that, <laughs> no, that, 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 you know, you're right. If you're playing devil's advocate, yeah. what other Premier League club? You, you're spot on there. Um, but I guess, you know, managers come from all sorts of strange circumstances um, and, they and, and you know, some, some are born... At, one I look at is Stephen Schumacher at Plymouth. Ryan Lowe had Plymouth flying and they didn't get promoted. And all Plymouth did was uh, appoint their number two. And Ryan Lowe was meant to be the big thing. And sure enough, Stephen Schumacher gets them promoted. And, and you know, he started this season great. Managers come from nowhere sometimes. And very often it's, it's managers who've been assistants who, 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 who are the brains behind things. Um, and, you know... Some, a manager's got to start somewhere. And I think O'Neill made an impressive start at Bournemouth. You, you could equally say he got lucky um, with sometimes. But, you know, they've got to come from somewhere. And maybe maybe Wolves are feeling a bit burnt by going for a big name who appears to be going rogue on them. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a there's a bloke at Botafogo, Portuguese bloke who's doing, doing quite well in Brazil. <laughs> I wonder what wonder if we could try and prize him over. But Johnny, do you think do you think he'll be in charge for the Man United game on Monday? That's such a good question. Um, I wouldn't like if I had my last. I always think if I had your last ten quid in the world, where would you put it? I wouldn't like. 
to put my last 10 quid on either scenario. But if I was absolutely forced into a corner to put 10 quid on him being there, I'd say he won't be. But that's not that's not to say I believe that's not to say I'm convinced he's going. I'm not. I think it's really, really. I think it's tight. I think it's tight. I think um, I think a lot, a lot. It's five to nine now. A lot could happen uh, between Monday night and next Monday. Um, nothing. I tell you what. Nothing would surprise me. Um, I'll say that. If he does go, Matt, imagine the just like the fan replies, like in general from football fans. That's it. The, the amount of money on walls to go down would go be through the roof. Honestly. You could get him at a really yeah. good price at the start of the season as well. I'm I'm a bit gutted that I didn't back it. Johnny, do you think there could be an instance where Wolves and Lopetegui meet in the middle with the, with the payoff? Yeah, I think they're just adamant that they're not no, paying it. I think that's the only way he goes. I think I don't think he walks away from his contract, and I don't think Wolves um, pay him the length of his contract. Um, I think that's the only way he goes is if they decide to somehow meet in the middle. And I guess when you look at it. Um, it would be the equivalent of a signing, wouldn't it? Um, say if they, if they, if they, if they sort of signed off on five to seven million or something like that, uh, that would be the equivalent of I don't know bringing in a fullback or something like that. They might just say we can't go on with this situation of of a manager and a and, and a club being so odds with each other. There's a point at which it becomes toxic. There's a point at which it becomes poisonous. Either the manager falls into line or they decide for a clean break and that's at the point at which negotiations happen and that's at the point at which they all agree to part um company yeah. that's what happened with um i was gonna say it's what happened with brendan rogers though, last year with leicester wasn't it like wasn't it like he had a 15 million pound relegation um relegation release clause and he was like well right pay me my money wasn't it because that was toxic for a while as well wasn't it you could tell rogers had lost interest and he was waiting for his money and Maybe, you know, it, it sounds like it's what it is here, right? Like, the, the relationship's gone, manager wants out, and we've got to find a solution. But it's either, by the sounds of it, give Lopetegui his money or sign Aaron Creswell. So, what do you want to use your five million quid for? <laughs> I think, um, I think luckily enough for Jeff as well, if if you have a manager paid off, then I don't think it goes on the balance sheet for FFP either. I think, it's, uh, I think it sits um, away from that, so it shouldn't be a problem. We'll have to have a whip around. Who do you, who do you think the club, the fans would side with in this case? The club, uh, the the fans side with the club because Lopetegui's been sort of moaning publicly, or back it's Lopetegui a, because the club have been so poor in the transfer window. It's it's a really good question. That it really is a good question because I think you, that there are merits to both sides of that argument. Um, I think because Fosun raised the stakes and the ambitions amongst Wolves supporters so much that sometimes we forget just what Fosun have done for this club. You know, I'm I'm in my forties and I've never seen days like this before. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it it's easy to forget just how much Fosun have transformed Wolves. It's also a case where you look at the waste, and, and I don't think we've had a good transfer window particularly since um, the very first one when Wolves became a Premier League club and signed him and Esmutinho Traore and Rui Patricio. Uh, um, so I think I have a bit of this feeling because, you know, I'm older than you guys. So a, a, a little bit of me and, I, you know, my kids growing up as a bloody Manchester City fan and it's like, <laughs> he's not interested in it. And it's like, I, I look at it and I just think we had it. We nearly had it with Nuno. And then 
typical wolves a global pandemic turns off and it's like <laughs> what can you do and then and then i just look at the waste since nuno there's been a fortune spent and it's been a bit muddly it's been a bit higgledy piggledy and i just think of the waste and think if that had been if the money spent since nuno had been the same effectiveness of the money spent in that first transfer window wolves oh, would just like oh we'd be flying what a team we'd be and i just think a little bit of me is annoyed at the waste and it's and i can see fans being annoyed at the waste and i can see why they might side with lopetegui saying just we've got a manager here who at, at, at the top at the top end of the european scale of managers give him his bloody money to sign alex scott and stop the and, and let's get on with it i can 100 get that but you've got to Fosun have done so much for this football club in terms of what they've put in. I mean, they could do with investing a bit in the stadium now. It's starting to look a bit bad, but that's, an, that's another argument. If, it, if, we're talk, if, we're talk, if we're talking about staying in the Premier League, you know, uh, they, they haven't always gone about it the right way, but they've certainly put the money where their mouth is. Hmm. I mean, it seems yeah. a bit kind of daft to talk about how we thought pre-season's gone, because that could all be ripped up if Lopetegui's not here by the... By, for the Man United game, Dave. But how 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 do you think we've done pre-season? You happy with the performances? I mean, I I personally have been quite impressed. Yeah, I've been satisfied, and I think like you know the 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 game against Wren on Saturday was fantastic, and I think not just the result, the quality of football that you know we were dominant throughout, sort of seventy-five to eighty percent of that match. I would say you know a really really good performance. Um, you know, we've picked up some good wins, beat, beating Porto. It was a strong Porto side as well. Um, and even the Luton game, you know, had some has had some positives in it. So I think it's been a productive preseason. You know, for all the uh, moaning and groaning and negativity behind the scenes and on social media, it could have been an absolute disaster. And I think we've shown, and Lopetegui has shown, this team is capable. Um, and, and that's why... Can't even go two days of positivity, can we? Really, you know, without something changing the whole situation and scenario with the club. Because yeah, Saturday's game was really, really good, and and arguably, you know, we saw Wolves play some of the best football that we've seen in in, in a number of months. Yeah, George, I don't know if you managed to catch the game on uh, on Saturday, but I I came away from that watching that feeling fulfilled and like genuinely pleased to watch the Wolves' performance. And I can't remember the last time I felt like that. No, well, I know um, I was taking, you know, I said sorry for you lot for going. Because um, so I, I played golf and I ended up getting it on a, let's just say, you know, I ended up watching it, put it like that. And um, I was I was really, you know, so pleasantly surprised at how well we played on, on Saturday. Because I was a bit underwhelmed with the Celtic performance. Luton, we huffed and we puffed, but it still felt like wolves of old, no cutting edge or lack of cutting edge, should I say. And, that was a really good Wren team would be, you know, they put three past West Ham, they put five past Forest. And again, realistically, those are the teams that Wolves are going to be competing with this season, I think, and it comes to the league tab. So it's quite a good barometer to understand where we are. And I think, you know, some of the players, I thought Nunes was fantastic. There was a low, I thought it was, and again, it sounds daft because it's a friendly, but I thought as Mateus Cunha's best Wolves, like best performance of Wolves, I thought he was unbelievable. And, Again, me and Matt were talking before the pod started, but I, I actually think it's probably done us a disservice how well we played on Saturday to Fosen to go, you know what, this squad's all right. Because we do know we need a couple more, but how well we played, they'll probably think, actually, yeah, there's a luff here. And there is, a, there is enough quality in that team. I just think we have been goal shy over over the last couple of years. There's no mistake about that. And you know what? 
I don't want to say like a new signing because it's so cliche, but yeah. Fabio coming back and Sasa coming back from his injury, you know what? We've got a refresh and, you know, a new forward line there to go. So it is quite exciting. You know, I, I think those problems could potentially go away. I know the Luton was nil-nil and like you said, could be perceived as underwhelming. But Johnny, I, off on another day, we'd probably score four or five. And the fact that we're now creating chances, which seemed to be the problem last season, for me, is it's almost like it, the goals will come. I think uh, what you've got to look at is the players who came in mid-season uh, last time around. And he probably, you know, can you can even argue the ones that came in just at the start of the um, start of the season uh, were getting to grips with the Premier League. Uh, and now, after a summer of um, pre-season training and a summer together, they're starting to show themselves a bit more. And 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 that's why when you look at the squad itself, if you, if, on paper, you know, everyone, everyone's panicking and thinking, "God, we've not signed this, we've not signed that." All these players have gone. Well, a, a lot of those players were always going. People like Cody and Moutinho and Neves were always going. And then you look at the players, and and, and then you see someone like Pedro Neto, even uh, it, it was, you know, hopefully back to full fitness. And you just think. That's all right, this. <laughs> I, I thought as well, the um, Neto had a half-decent campaign for Portugal as well in the internationals beforehand. Um, but Neto always seems to have a good pre-season, doesn't he? Even last year, he had a really strong pre-season. All the Arsenal links then picks up a little knock right at the start of the campaign. So he hasn't really found that form again that he had during the sort of lockdown season. I'm not... I hope it could be a big season for him. Yeah, it's so frustrating. I was at that game at Fulham um, during lockdown when he got yeah. injured, and it was so depressing just watching him hobbling along the touchline, and you know, no fans there or anything like that. And it was just, oh no, this is not what we need. And I think with Diogo Jota having been sold as well, it sort of exacerbated the problems of a of, of that sort of character who can unlock a, a defense, and and we've never really had one since. Mm. Um, I do, you know, I'm really conflicted looking at this squad because, you know, I, I can I can get a piece of A4 in front of me and make a great case for why we'll be all right, and then on the same piece of A4 I can think, shit, we're in big trouble here. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's one of those, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I guess consistency is what any team strives for, and if Wolves can start the season consistently with consistent performances from players who've shown glimpses of talent, then we'll be okay. But then, you know, someone could equally come back and argue, well, what if this player gets injured and why this player hasn't been consistent, so he'll never be consistent. And then you're like, yeah, doom and gloom. Hmm. George, what what are your thoughts on Cunha and Fabio Silva? Because when they've when they've both been on the pitch, they look to have linked up quite nicely, but it doesn't and not but it probably matters anymore. It doesn't it, for me, it doesn't feel like Lopetegui really fancies Silva. I I think and again, only going back to like how he played at Seville a little bit. I, I think I think he does fancy Fabio. I just don't think he trusts the defence. I don't think he trusts us enough to play that sort of system. I think it's too aggressive for the I think he just doesn't trust us at the back. I think he's got every reason to that. I know we've got always had like a decent defensive, you know, record and stuff, but then you know the way the last season ended with what was it, six at Brighton, five at Arsenal? I can't even remember. It was cricket scores. I think it's just a little bit too expansive for us. I don't think he trusts the players to play that system. I think he'd be really cool. I think if Lopetegui had his way, I think he would play them both. I think he would play Cunha off a striker, but I just don't think he trusts what's behind him enough. Um, I think the link-up play was really good, especially that second half as well against Ren. And, you know, it'd be very bold of Lopetegui, again, if he's there, 
to go to Old Trafford and play them both from the start. Um, for me, I would do that. But again, he's got you know. I, I don't think he will do it. I think I think he sees Kunya as a more of a number nine than what we do on this pod. Put it like that. I don't think it's just his pod, mate. I think it's like most <laughs> well, fans. No, well, yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> Dave, what's what's been your thoughts on Clyde Sitchin in pre-season? Personally, I've been I've been really impressed. I'm almost quite shocked to how good he is with the ball at his feet. Personifies yeah. great touch for a big man. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I think yeah, he's probably still not up to op- optimal, you know, top fitness, but it's good that he's getting more and more minutes over the last couple of weeks or so. I think I think that's what he like. Even the, the sh- short amount of time we saw him at Southampton, you know, we brought other players into play. I think Luton, he had some really nice moments. He was lucky at the one chance uh, where the ball came uh, over, the, you know, over the top. I think at times he lacked that just that little bit of confidence and bravery to try things on his own. But I think that will come with more game time and sharpness on the pitch. Um, but you watched the I think it's the third goal, wasn't it, against Wren? The way. You know, he holds up the ball. It almost allows two or three more players to get forward. And then that's how we create the goal. So I think, you know, you play, it's a bit of a weird sort of um, comparison maybe, but you play him and it'll almost be a little bit like Kevin Doyle. He's never going to score you 15, 20 goals a season, but he'll certainly help, you know, bring other players into play and get more assists and, and, and score more goals. So I think he's a really handy option to have whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. Yeah, I mean, you saw with the, the goal against Stadvenay, Huangs, he, he was integral in the build-up to that. Great strength, yeah. great touch as well. So, he's definitely yeah, an yeah. asset to have and gives you a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a different kind well, of That's the sort of thing, playing. I don't know, like Johnny said, in terms of glimpses of players, but we have got players there that have either come back off loan or come back from injury um, that, again, they're not, they're, and like you said, George, I feel you know, they're going to be like new signings, but they are, you know. And and Fosin spent a lot of money, or Wall spent a lot of money on Kalizic. You know, we're not just going to write him off. That's a twenty million quid player there. So you know, let, let's see what he can do. Very highly rated as well, Kalizic. When I mean, um, United were after him at one point, weren't they? Same same um, window as us. The, the same window, yeah. window. Yeah. Yeah, but United, yeah. United probably read his medical. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to his ACL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you mentioned earlier, Johnny, about just Wolves and just the general bad luck and being blighted by the pandemic. But that signing is Wolves in a bottle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and even even I, I think I did Bruno Large's last sit down interview um, before he got the push after the West Ham game, and even he admitted there was an element of he, he said le- the, the, the exact words he used to me was "We'll learn our lessons from that one," and I think they chanced him when he shouldn't have been chanced. I think. I think it was a desperate situation for Large. He didn't have the players he wanted available. And you could see that when um, when Neto came off at West Ham and then they chucked him back on the pitch and then he got uh, a further injury. I think, yeah, I mean, I, a bit of it was bad luck. A bit of it was incompetence. Um, it's a, do you know what? It's, it's a bit of a thread in this book as well that just when Wolves fans think they've found their... Uh, found that the good times something comes and bites them and it, you know it, it's been a thread of the premier league era when wolves finally got promoted to the premier league jack haywood out of nowhere decided he'd turn the tap off um <laughs> and didn't spend and then there was a, there was an element and jez moxie was really good about this in the book actually there was an element of self-destruct about the way wolves went from the premier league to league one they changed the captain they made some they brought some bad eggs in and they lost control. Jez's exact words where we lost control of the club. 
Um, and it was only when Kenny Jacket came in that it came back. And then obviously, you know, the big one is absolutely the pandemic and the fact that that is entirely responsible for the end of Nuno. And had that pandemic not happened, we can only dream of what, what you know, what, what could have happened. Yeah. Uh, I, I know a lot of Liverpool fans, obviously, and it pisses me off that they're in a European final every year. And even when they have a bad season, it's like, oh, you know, isn't it terrible? Just Liverpool's luck. And I'm thinking, sod off. You're in the you're in a, you're in a fi- European final every year. I've waited my entire life for a European comeback campaign, and it gets derailed by a global pandemic. You know, that's that's <laughs> bad luck. It's not bad luck that Mohamed Salah gets injured after ten minutes. No, it drives me nuts. But anyway, that's, it, that's always the case with football fans, isn't it? I, I remember I went to Mallorca a few years ago, and I, I was sat watching Wolves in the bar there playing Palace. And I was like, oh, God, it was, I think when Jota scored in the last minute, I was like, that was, that was shit. Like, I need to bring some more players in. And just, this mank bloke turned around to me and went, at least you still got your fucking club. I'm a Berry fan. <laughs> I was like, no. But it's like... Yeah. It's... <laughs> I, think, I, I think probably unless you're a Berry or a Rochdale yeah. supporter, you've got no right to complain. Yeah, it's always, uh, well, we've had, we've always had it worse, but we always do a prediction at the start of, um, at, at the start of the season on our, on our pre-season podcast. So the last year, last season's predictions were a, were a shambles. I think only Finn and I managed to get one of them right, but we're going to do it again this season. The first one is where are Wolves going to finish this season, the Premier League? Dave, would you like to tell us your prediction? Uh, it's gone down one or two places since the start of the pod, to be fair. So I'm going to go uh, 15th. George? I've got 16th. Johnny, did have you done a prediction? Oh, I hate predictions. Uh, <laughs> what can possibly go right with a prediction? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm veering towards Dave's area. Um, maybe even a touch higher. The league gets... The last couple of weeks of the season... You've got all these teams that might get relegated, and then it just goes to pot with a few wins here yeah. and there. I think somewhere between 17th and 12th, there's maybe about two points. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if Wolves are in that big lump of teams uh, at, the, at the sort of near the bottom, but by the same token, well safe. Um, you know, oh, it's going to be mad, isn't it? What, 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 what an unbelievable season to try and predict Wolves when we don't even know the manager's going to be a week before it's <laughs> Thanks a lot, Patagi. He's pretty much ruined our pre-season podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I put together a lovely agenda and then five minutes before going live <laughs> comes and yeah, pisses all over it. Either, <laughs> I went with 14th. Finn, who's actually uh, on holiday at the minute with, I think he's with Steve Bull, actually. Um, Tracy, he, yeah, yeah he, he's, um, he, he, he went with 13th. Dave, can I ask you which player is your dark horse for having a big impact on the first team? I don't think I don't think this really counts as a dark horse. Well, I'd probably say Mateus Nunes. Is that a dark horse oh, or you're not? Really, <laughs> you're really uh, putting your neck on the line there. No, that's what I mean. I can't. <laughs> the, the, the squad ain't big enough to pick out a player. I could say someone like Joe Hodge <laughs> or whatever, but it ain't going to happen, is it? So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go with I'll go with Nunes only because he had such an underwhelming first season. I think he's going to really kick on this year and could arguably be player that player of the season. George, who have you picked? I've also been extremely controversial and gone Mateus Nunes. <laughs> because like it's like Dave said, I think he was he was he had an underwhelming season last year and I don't think it helped he played about five or six positions, but I think yeah. he came to Wolves last year with the pretense he'd get a big move this summer. And 
I think for him this year, it's very shit or bust in terms of for him to get that move because they could quite easily. If he has another poor season at Wolves, he might his, his career could sort of just dwindle a little bit <laughs> and stagnate. Yeah. So I think he needs a big year, and I think in pre-season he's he, he looks a better player this year. But overall, what we see, I think he looks a lot better for it so far yeah. in pre-season. So I'm looking forward to what we see. Johnny, have you got a dark horse for? Um, I won't go. I won't go with Nunes, but I think uh, Jordan Davis spot on. I, you know, I would if I was going to predict a player to have a, a decent season for Wolves, I'd definitely go Nunes. But if you want a more of a dark horse, did Sarabia play at the weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started. Yeah. Did he start? Well, this is the first goal. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah, I, think I, I think he's got something about him. Oh, I do. Um, oh, I love him as well. Yeah. So, and bear in mind how he was so lightweight and so non non impactful last year. I think um, I'll go with him as my dog. I think Nunes will be the player, the standout player, but I'll go Sarabia as the dark horse. Um, Finn actually went with Sarabia as the dark horse. So I went with Matt Doherty. I don't think he's in the starting 11, do you? I, I think so. Now, I, I got a lot of stick when Doherty was right, right <laughs> wherever he was. <laughs> Left back he's, probably our best, he's probably our best finisher. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I thought, well, probably, I don't know. When, when when he was at Wolves previously in the last season, I gave him a bit of stick because I thought he performed poorly from a defensive point of view. But I feel like I'm about to eat some humble pie. I reckon he could be quite an important player for us this year. Just, he, he gets into positions that Samayado doesn't. And it's quite refreshing to see a right back gallivant upfield a little bit. Granted, he, he jogs back. But... I just, I don't know. I just think he could come up with some really important goals or assists for us this season. So that that's my dark horse. And uh, is he my starting right back? I think it depends on the opposition. I think if you want Wolves to create a few more chances against the lesser sides, then yeah. But Samado, for for example, against United, I think Samado will play. So that's my that's my opinion. Um, Wolves related hot take. What did Finn say for that one? Sorry, Matt. Sarabia. Oh, sorry, you did say. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wolves related hot take for this season, Dave. Wolves not to be the lowest goal scorers in the Premier League. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to, you know what, I'll push it even further. Wolves to be in the top half of goals for this season. Oh, wow. That is a hot take. George, yeah. what's yours? So mine could be ruined by what's been going on today. But I said Wolves to have three permanent managers this season. Now, <laughs> I'm going from, if Lopetegui started the season, I thought he could go, we get someone in for a few months, they flop, and then, you know. But I'd if, class him as the first you, one. Yeah. I'd class so him as we, the first Okay, one. you would. Okay. But if people are going to be pedantic about it, I've also got Craig Dawson to score five or more goals. I like that. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, Finn's hot take is Wolves to beat all the promoted teams home and away for the first time ever in the Premier League. Again, I don't think that's a bad shout. Mine was uh, Mateus Nunes to be in the top five most fouled, fouled players in the Premier League. What, this season? Yeah. Mm. Um, Johnny, I don't know if you've got a, a hot take or an unpopular opinion. I didn't, you know what? I didn't, I didn't have a look at this, but if I was going to say anything, maybe I'd say Gary O'Neill to be parading the League Cup around Wembley. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. I've no idea. I was going to say, manifest that one. <laughs> Those Wembley tours are brilliant these days. <laughs> <laughs> that virtual reality. Yeah. 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 It's not parade uh, at Wembley this year or what? <laughs> Dave Wall's top goal scorer this season. 
Back the boy, Fabio Silva. Jord? I've got Mateus Cunha. I went with Mateus Cunha too. So did Finn. Johnny? Cunha. Yeah, Cunha. On the odd run out. A top assister. I went with uh, Sarabia. Dave, who have you gone with? I'm t- I was tempted to say Cunha, but I think if, if Sarabia is on the set pieces, yeah, I'll say Sarabia as well. Jord? I've got Mateus Nunes. Johnny? Who's going to get most? Nunes, nice. Yeah. And then we all we always do three wider predict predictions for the uh, for the rest of the league. Dave, what what are yours? Forest to go down. Yeah. Uh, Spurs to finish top four. Yeah. Um, and this will be subjective. I think at the end of the season, Sandro Tonali to be the, one of the flops of the season. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's hard to gauge. Italian tax, to flop, but, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got so I've got Liverpool to finish above Arsenal. I've got Luton and Sheffield United to both get less than thirty points. I did have twenty five. <laughs> I, I did have I did have twenty five, but then yeah. I thought I'll give myself a bit of buffer, you know. Um and then I've got Eberichi Eze to get fifteen goal contributions this season. Ooh. Nice. 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 We know Zaha. Uh, it's, it's a shout, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. Finn went with uh, most yellow cards in a season ever across the league. Eddie Howe's time-wasting frauds not to qualify for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Mason Mount to get less than seven goals and assists this season. I went with, and I've, uh, there is a theory to the, to the last one. I've got Bournemouth to finish in the top ten. I've got Newcastle to finish outside the top seven, and I've got Unai Emery to be gone by gone from Villa by the end of the season. Well, that that's not sacked. We could be headhunted, like or, no or slight sacked. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you go, okay. You've got to change your wording then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sacked. No, because he'll he'll <laughs> conveniently forget yeah, at the end of the season, won't he? When he's at Arsenal or something. Yeah. Purely because. He's one of those, similar to Large, where like everything is like the nth detail, and they spend so many so much time in the classroom, and it's great when things are going well, but when you're losing yeah. games, players don't want to be doing that. And I think it's been the it's been the case with other places. Have been it was the same at Arsenal. I just think it could go that way, especially with how many games. I, we've got. I know. I don't want to admit it, but I think they're going to have a good year. I do. I've got in the notes that we're going to preview the Man United game, but I'm not. I'm not going to bother because it it, it feels daft, really, because we don't know what the situation is going to be. Dave will do a match preview anyway. Uh, but yeah, Johnny, let's have a, a, a little chat about the book before we go again. So, where can people come to the the launch night? It's this Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, Thursday from 7pm at the Cleveland Arms is the best place to come and get the book. Um, you'll get a discount. It's free admission. And you'll also, um, there'll also be a bit of a donation to charity from that as well. It'll be a really good chance to get some. I don't know loads of people who are coming along and it'll just be a nice chance to get Wolves fans together before the season starts. Um, it's not something that happens regularly. You know, we're a bit sort of, we, we all live and work a bit remotely these days. And just to get a crowd of Wolves fans chatting about Wolves would be brilliant. Um, and I, I think it'd be a really nice night, given what's going on at the moment as well. There's going to be so much to talk about. Um, and I think it, it'd be a good way to open the season. We've got to wait until Monday, haven't we? The whole the whole season. Yeah. Uh, I'm working at the game, which is great. But um, the whole season is um, 
it's sort of not kicking off until after everybody else. So it's going to be, a, it's going to feel like, you know, the, the longest day and a half, but um, it, it'll be good once the season gets going. And do you know what? I very often think the case is true that when a season kicks off, a lot of the noise disappears and things, things just fall into place. Um, it's been a long time uh, since the last balls kicked last season and who knows? And I, I you know, Sometimes when you expect it uh, the least, things happen. Uh, and they always say the darkest hour is just before the dawn. So whether or not um, whether or not this turns out to be a season that we'll all treasure, who knows? But um, I, will, I will say that if, if the club are making mistakes, they're doing it honestly. And I will also say that they've backed, um, they've backed you know, managers down the years tremendously. But I will also say... Fan, I can 100% see why, why fans are so frustrated. So come and vent that frustration at the Cleveland Arms <laughs> on Thursday night. And if we if we break a certain barrier, I'll buy you a pint. Nice. Where can people buy the book if they if they can't get to so the Cleveland? If you, Thursday? if you can't get if you can't get to the Cleveland, um, it'll be on sale at Waterstones, W H Smith in town, the club shop, um, usual outlets online, that sort of thing. Um, Amazon, the rest of it. Um, you won't, you won't, uh, you won't sort of fail to find out where it's on sale with me and Bez relentlessly um, <laughs> promote, promoting it over the coming uh, days and weeks. Yeah, we'll be sure to give it a, a retweet as well, mate. And I'm looking looking sure. forward to give, giving it a read too. Uh, yeah, but Johnny, thanks thanks again for coming on. I really, really do appreciate it. I know it's it's a late one, and I mean. As 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 it stands, it's still newsworthy, Dave. Yeah, exactly. put, it out, put it out, put it out now before it becomes the most out of date wheels podcast. Dave, go and put the kettle on, mate. Get your editing socks on and uh, have a have a um, have a go at it. But yeah, Johnny, absolute pleasure. Um, thanks, thanks for coming Thank on. You, where, where can people find you? Should they wish to follow you? Well, no, they probably already follow you. But uh, at Sky Johnny P, so uh, Sky J O H W N Y P on Twitter. And uh, I think it's Johnny Phillips Insta on Instagram. Dave, where can people find you? Yeah, it's at Dave as a party on Twitter and Instagram. George, live from Oxfam yeah. Stockroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, no, this is going to change this year. So when you're asking earlier about what am I doing this summer, this is the start of my summer project. I'm in the loft. It's my missus's, well, oh, I said walking wardrobe and Matt said... Uh, yeah, loft, loft room. So, um, yeah, this will be changed before Man United. There'll be a nice curtain. It'll all be sorted. But, yeah, all, none, of these, none of these are going on Depop or anything behind me. She's keeping oh. the clothes. So, you know, yeah. and I don't wear them as well. Would you have been to the can, yeah. George? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yeah. Um, so, at George was seven on Twitter and Instagram. And Johnny, I think you forgot about LinkedIn. You can plug yourself on LinkedIn on this channel. Yeah. If you're on oh, LinkedIn. really? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, do like the link, we do like LinkedIn, yeah. Yeah, I am on LinkedIn, yeah. but I don't know. There you go. Has that, got, has that got usernames or anything? That's just your name, isn't it? Johnny Phillips name, on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, just, just my name. I, 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 was big, I was thinking I was going to have to be big on LinkedIn when we, all our jobs were up in the summer, but um, I'm all right now. <laughs> I know you mentioned earlier, Johnny, you said you're in your mid mid forties and a little bit older than all slot, like, but I, George, George, I think <laughs> George, George always lit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I looked you at Jordan, know, I looked I at you, man. I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a running joke yeah. on this podcast that Jordan's about 50 odd, but <laughs> he's only he's only mid 40, so looking well. <laughs> <laughs> that exposure coming off your screen's doing the world a good for them wrinkles. Yeah, I, know. I was going to say, yeah. It's a nice camera, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I'm M Cooper Wrights on Twitter. Of course, we are talking walls across all social media platforms, including LinkedIn. If you wanted to connect with us, uh, let us know in the comments section down below your thoughts as we head into the Premier League season. Will Lapategui stay? Will he go? Who's to blame? Whose side will you take? And of course, if you are new here, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Big thanks to Johnny Phillips as well. And make sure you get on that book, Revolution of Walls, out in all fantastic bookstores and online retailers by the end of the week. But until next time, keep the faith, take care and see you later.